0: And when the shepherd comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to join us here this morning and we trust that you have kept your promise and are here with us. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit. Everybody, everybody, I think, has one of those friends who always goes too far. You know the one? I was worried, actually, as I wrote that, that some of my own friends will think that it's me. Uh, But you know, everyone's joking around, having a good time, and then somebody crosses the line. Everybody has that friend who's saying that one extra thing, and it's finally too far, and the mood is sort of ruined. In fact, all the fun that you were just having is now sort of soured by the fact that this one person took it too far. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus compares heavenly joy to two earthly situations. First, he says, imagine a shepherd who has some sheep. And if he's got a hundred of them and one of them wanders away, won't he leave the 99 to go after the one? And then when he finds it, doesn't he celebrate, calling all of his friends together to celebrate the finding of the lost sheep? It's like this in heaven, Jesus says, when a sinner is brought home. And as long as you're imagining things, Jesus might as well have said, imagine a woman who loses a coin in her house. Won't she move all the furniture, turn on all the lights and sweep the floor until she finds it? And then even she calls together all her friends for a celebration. This must be some coin. I don't know of any coin that I have in my life that would cause me to throw a party if I found it. But Jesus reiterates that there will be much rejoicing in heaven. When a lost sinner is found. And this is seemingly unadulterated good news, isn't it? We know that in these stories, God is the shepherd. God is the woman. We are the wandering sheep and the lost coin. And God will stop at nothing to find us. Amen, (laughs) right? But then Jesus seems to go too far. The mood is so happy, Jesus. Don't do it. But Jesus has one more thing to say. And doesn't that last sentence of his catch in your ears? In both cases, for the lost sheep, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And for the lost coin, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So here's the question of the hour for us human beings and our human ears. Does Jesus' mentioning of repentance make the good news less good? In other words, is the good news only good for you if you repent? Is there a condition? Is the good news less good because of repentance? Now, when we think of repentance, we normally think of a change that happens in us, right? For instance, we find ourselves wondering if fallen celebrities, quote-unquote, are truly repentant. Are they really sorry for what they did? The standard way that people think of repentance is the process, the internal process of realizing we've done something wrong, making a decision to change, And usually telling someone else, whether it's your priest or the person you've wronged, about your realization. And that is how we normally think of repentance. The onus clearly is on us. After all, repentance means to turn, to return. We're the ones who messed up, so we're the ones who need to repent. We're the ones who need to turn. And Jesus, to our ears certainly makes it sound like we're the ones who need to repent when he says something like, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. But I think with some careful consideration, we'll find that this is actually not the way in which Jesus is using this word, that Jesus actually hasn't gone too far, and that the good news is still good, even for you and me. So first of all, remember, as we talk about repentance, the examples that Jesus uses here. The illustrations themselves show us how he wants us to think about repentance. Does the sheep realize his mistake and come back to the shepherd to apologize? Does the coin regret being lost and climb back into the change purse? Well, of course not. Jesus is using these incredibly passive examples, that of a sheep and of a coin, to show us that in this system, in his system, the onus is not on us. The onus here is not on the sinner. In Jesus' example, the onus is on the Savior. Right? The actor is the shepherd. The actor is the woman searching. When we think of repentance. We naturally, subconsciously put ourselves as the subject, right? You did something wrong. You realize it. You resolve to change your ways. You, you, you. But this is not the story that Jesus tells. He's the one who goes out, who springs into action to search out the lost sheep. The actor is The woman, she's the one who lights the lamp, cleans the house, and finds the coin. The onus here is not on the one who is lost. The onus is on the one who searches. So it seems like we have a very different vision of repentance in Jesus' system here. But it's not Jesus' system specifically, it's God's system, and it has been God's system from the very beginning. In Hebrew, the word shuv means to repent. Now, before you become overwhelmed with admiration for me uh, for using Hebrew knowledge, uh, you should know that I've once again consulted my friend Chad Bird, a Hebrew scholar and former Old Testament professor. Chad notes that this word shuv does, in fact, mean what we think it means. It means to turn or to return. However, in some forms, the verb shuv takes on a causative meaning. Specifically, Chad said, in the hithil form. The Old Testament, Chad says, is packed to the gills with this kind of repentance. Shuv in the hithil form, in which God is causing people to repent, causing people to turn, to return to him. God is the one doing the action. God is the one doing the work. The sinner, says Chad, is the one receiving this divine, gracious act. Now, a classic Illustration of this kind of repentance is found at the very end of the book of Lamentations, chapter 5, verse 21, if you want to look it up, in which the lamenting Israelites cry out, well, they cry out like lost sheep. Restore us to yourself, O oh Lord, they say, that we may be restored. Restore <laughs> us to yourself. That we may be restored. This is repentance. God is the one who will restore them. Who will turn them back to himself. Chad says, quote, repentance is not a work that we offer to God. Rather, it is a work that God accomplishes within us. Repentance is not a work that we offer to God. Rather, it is a work that God accomplishes within us. Now, The story of the shepherd and the sheep is a story about who is doing the work of salvation. As we've said, there's no mention of the sheep realizing that he's gone astray and coming home tail between his legs. This is a story about a sheep who is lost and a shepherd who drops everything. To find him. This is a story about a person, you or me, who is lost. And don't don't you feel lost sometimes? Isn't that a familiar feeling to you? Have you ever sat in your office or in your classroom or on your couch and looked up to the looked up at the ceiling and sighed and said, "What am I doing? Where am I going?" Or have you looked at your kids and thought, "How on earth am I going to do this?" Or Have you looked at your savings account lately? We so often feel lost. And our God does not ask us to find him. Our God sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to come to us. And if the shepherd in the story is God, and we are the lost sheep, then Jesus is the search. The very person of Jesus Christ is God's hunt for us, to save us from danger, to return us to the fold, to repent us. We trick ourselves into thinking that it is up to us to come back. We have to stop making bad decisions and start making good ones. We have to turn our lives around. We have to be better people. And this constant self-deception is why Jesus chooses a sheep to play our role in the story. A sheep! He could not have chosen a character less capable of getting itself out of trouble. The sheep is completely dependent on the shepherd. And we are completely dependent on God. But this is good news. Because our dependence is answered in his search. The shepherd leaves the obedient sheep to find us. The shepherd leaves the obedient sheep to find you. Jesus said that like a doctor who goes to the sick because the healthy have no need of him, he comes to sinners, not to righteous people. Knowing that we're the sick, that we're in need, that we are sinners, God does not ask us to find our way to Him. He sends His Son for us. Now if the story of the sheep and the shepherd is about who is doing the saving, then the story of the lost coin is about the lengths to which God will go to save. Jesus tells this story to assure us, His lost ones, that there is no corner of that house which is too far gone. When I lose something in my house, I give up almost immediately. It's one of my wife's great frustrations. I go to her and I say, I can't find the blank. And she says, Did you look? Did you even look? I am a terrible looker, a terrible searcher. She'll find something that I was looking for in one second. In a place I've already looked. But this is not how God searches. God gets down and peers into the darkest corners, the deepest pits. And trust me, it's dark down there. Do you worry that if the wrong people found out about the thing you did, you might wind up in prison or in real trouble? Have you been continuously dishonest with the people closest to you? Do you have a child or sibling who hasn't spoken to you in years because of something you did? These are the things that we are sure will keep us in that dark corner of the house and out of the fold of the good shepherd. Surely we think God must have limits. But this story is about the no-limits searching of God. This woman lights a lamp, sweeps the house, and searches carefully until she finds the coin she lost. She does not stop until that coin is found. And the same is true of God. There is no corner of sin, no hidden depth of depravity from which he cannot will not and has not rescued us, rescued you. And ultimately, that's the good news, that this work is already done. The rescue mission is complete. We are found. We are the lost sheep. We are the lost coin. But we have been recovered. We worry about whether or not we have to work our way back to God or, or if he'll come and get us. We worry about being too far gone for God to spend the extra effort to rescue us. We worry about these things. But Jesus, on his rescue mission, says no. There is more rejoicing in heaven, he says, over one sinner who gets rescued than over the 99 who don't need it. And no. No. God will never stop searching. There is no corner too deep, no corner too dark to escape his attention. And even better than that, as his rescue mission was nearing completion and Jesus hung on a cross for crimes he didn't commit, but we did commit, the work was accomplished. Jesus' last words, it is finished, done, done. Over. The rescue mission is complete. You are found. In his book, Night Driving, Chad, my Hebrew helper, writes this about this parable of the lost sheep. Here's the hard yet simple lesson. Repentance is not a work that we perform, but a gift that Christ gives. It's not an emotion that we stir up within ourselves, but a motion that Christ enacts within us. This motion is always away from us, away from guilt, away from self-devised methods of atonement and towards Jesus. Like the shepherd looking for the lost sheep, Christ trails after us when we go astray. He finds us. Puts us atop his shoulders and rejoices to restore us to the fold. Notice that he is the active one. He seeks. He finds. He brings us back. It is not so much that we repent as that he repents us. It is not so much that we repent as that he repents us. So welcome those of you who keep on making bad decisions. Those of you who can't quite seem to turn your life around. Those of you who worry that you're just not good enough. You are found. You are here this morning. Say amen with us. We'll be here every week. Worshiping a God who takes the initiative. Who comes to you. Who repented you. A God who, in Christ, sought you out and who didn't stop until he found you, recovered you, and brought you safely home. Amen.